What is, it is good to be together this morning. I am, we don't make a practice of this, as you guys know, if you've kind of been here for more than one Sunday, this is your first Sunday, this might be a little scary because we don't normally make a practice out of um, making a, like, a spectacle of, of people who are here for the first time, but um, I'm going to have my parents who are here for the first time stand up. Um, <laughs> We can just, we can, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they made the trip from Dayton, Ohio on Friday. And um, so Colorado, or Colorado, good night. That's a, like a, just like a re- three-month rewind there. Alaska, <laughs> where, uh, man, it's the first time I've done that. Um, Alaska was just showing off. Uh, we, we were driving, my, my daughters and I drove up to pick them up from the airport, and I said, man, Alaska, you're just being really dramatic today, right? It's just like super intense, like fog and clouds and rain and all those kinds of things. And so we picked them up in Anchorage and we're driving back down and you know, kind of all the way until we get to the peninsula, it's just pouring rain and like just, just beautiful in its own kind of way, right? The fall colors and all that. And then we get like towards Cooper Landing. They don't know what's coming, right? We know what's coming. We've driven this before. You know what's coming, right? Because you've driven this before. And the sun starts to come through the clouds right as we get to Cooper Landing. And it, that sun, the sun hits the Kenai River, and it's like brilliant turquoise blue. And they were just in awe, right? It's like, welcome to Alaska. And then they get a beautiful day like this, and um, Alaska is showing off for you guys. So uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. The, uh, but make a point. They would love to meet you guys. That's part of, uh, they're, they're here to see us, but they're really excited. We have talked so much as we've had conversation, our family loves being here, um, not just in Alaska, not just because of the beautiful Kenai River and the mountains, but we, are, we count it such a huge privilege to be a part of this church community. And um, so they're here not just to, to hang out with us, they want to hang out with you guys too, so don't be shy. Uh, get to know them as well, so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, this morning we're spending time in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6 to 14, and this is part two of a series that's uh, it's called Connected, and it's really just a, a really simply put, it's, it's recognizing that we were never meant to walk alone, right? That, that we're on a journey, and we were never meant to, to, to walk alone in this journey. And what, so that's one of the primary themes that runs through this passage as, as Paul is talking to Timothy and kind of like helping him picture what his calling actually is. But one of the other key themes, we're going to spend some time talking about this this morning, one of the other key themes that, that keeps showing up in this passage, and for me as I was studying and listening to God saying, what is it that you're trying to show us today? Um, one of the other key themes is, is the idea of potential, right? The idea of potential, and we, you know, we, we, we like potential. Potential is a, is a beautiful thing, right? So if you ever watch like those television shows where they start to, they come into this kind of like old house, and then you see like the computer overlays of like, well, this is when we take this wall down, this is what it's going to look like, and kind of walk in, and, and here's incredible potential. If it's Chip and Joanna, it's like, here's where we're going to put the shiplap or find the shiplap, right? It's like, this is, um, you know, this is how it works, but this idea of you can walk into that space and then you see the like computer of what image of, of what could be. Potential is, is a beautiful thing. Um, potential is also kind of dangerous because there's a tendency that we have to say, well, I could be this, right? Or this space could be that way or whatever. But, but we become too easily satisfied with potential instead of actually getting to the realization of what that potential looks like. Does that make sense? So you can, you can say, like, 
in this house, like this, this room could look like this, and we'll just wait till the time is right, and we'll kind of get there at some point, but we'll be satisfied with potential. We do this in our lives, where it's like, I know, right? I know. Life isn't quite like it's supposed to be, right? I know I'm making decisions that I shouldn't be making. I know I'm, I'm falling into patterns, or I'm continuing patterns that I know I shouldn't be doing, but, you know, at some point, at some point, I'll, I'll, I'll make that change. At some point, I'll, I'll kind of lean in and, and move a different direction. And so we become so satisfied with the idea that there's potential that we don't always move into the realization of that potential. I don't know if any of you have noticed that there is an apple. I don't know if this is like one of those, my, my daughters were like, Dad, it's like you're a teacher. You know, you gotta like, show, like there's an apple for the teacher this morning. Um, we can look at this apple, and it's a, it's a good, you know, this could be a good snack. If my blood sugar drops a little bit, maybe I'll take a little bite of it as we go about this morning. Um, we see this apple, and you wouldn't argue with me about this idea that, that this apple um, has potential, right? Not just the potential to be a snack, but in this apple are probably five to ten apple seeds, right? And you could take this apple, and you could do what someone who knows what they're doing with an apple, right, to, to actually, like, not just cook it into something delicious, but to actually make an orchard out of this apple. You could start with this apple, and there's five seeds. You could have five apple trees at some point, right? That we could actually imagine, or at least we would agree to the idea that, that in this apple is the potential of an orchard, right? Do we agree with this? We can, like, nod so I know that we're kind of tracking together. This is good. Yep. So we can agree with that. And yet... We can understand potential. We can understand that, that there, is, there is something invested in this apple that, that's more than just what this apple currently is, right? That, the, that, the, that it could be more, that there's incredible potential. We can agree to this apple and its potential, and yet we can look in the mirror and not recognize that the same God who poured potential into this apple poured potential into us too, right? Why is it that we can agree to an apple having potential, that an apple could be more than it is, that an apple could have an incredible kind of impact in the world around it, and yet not imagine that that same thing could be true for us. Why can we believe it about apples, but not believe it about ourselves? So in 2 Timothy, starting in, in 2 Timothy 1, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's talking about who Timothy really is, right? He's, he's talking at the beginning of Timothy's ministry saying, look, you need to understand before you go and kind of experience all the things that you're going to experience, before you go and, and you deal with persecution and you deal with all the backlash and everything that, that's going to come your way when, when you start to really lean in, when you start to really start to realize your potential, that Paul is saying, this is who you are. Right before the world has a chance to, to kind of give a different kind of definition on him, before the, before the, the, the world around him starts to, to tell him otherwise, Paul says, this is who you are. He talks in the verses preceding this passage, he talks about uh, Timothy's grandma and then about Timothy's mom and this kind of like generations that have been impacted by, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The value in this particular moment in Timothy's story, as Paul is talking to Timothy, the value of Christian community is on full display as Paul speaks something that maybe Timothy can't yet see, reminds Timothy of something that Timothy couldn't probably on his own imagine, that, that being part of Christian community means that we get, to be, like, we get to have somebody else speaking into our lives to help us see who we are. And so Paul in verse 6 of first, or 2 Timothy chapter 1 says this, for this reason, right, for all of those reasons that we just talked about, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
that Paul says there is a gift that has been given, right? That there is something that God has poured out in you that, that, that's special. Timothy, you have a unique purpose that, that, that God is inviting you to, to do some extraordinary things with him. That there is this gift that's given, but then there's the response that comes to follow, right? That it's not just that the gift was given, not just that there's incredible potential, but that there is a faithful response to what has been given. Paul speaks to Timothy and says, fan into flame, right? Fan into flame, that thing that was an ember and until it's a flame. It's this, this active response to the things of God, this active response to, to God having invested something then now starts to be fully realized. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7, for the spirit, for the spirit that God gave us does not does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Paul speaking. I don't know the relationship 100% of what the, the conversation would have been between Paul and Timothy, but I see Paul speaking some specific things to Timothy. And Paul is saying, look, when God gets a hold of you, when, when, when you're living in the, in the purpose that God has created you for, when, when the Spirit is at work in your life, the the clarifying reality is this, that the spirit that God sends does not make us timid, right? Does not make us live in fear, that, that what has been invested in us that does not lead to us living in a timid kind of way. We're not driven by fear. We're not driven by fear of God, and we're not driven by fear of other people. That the spirit, as God leads us and guides us, grow, grows us in power and love and self-discipline, that, that the outcome of the gift, the outcome of the fanning into flames, the, the what is it that we're getting more of? For Timothy, if, if Paul is saying, look, fan into flame this gift that God has invested in you, and then he says, and this is what you're going to get more of, right? If, if this thing starts to bear fruit, if this is starting to grow in your life, this is what you can expect, not being more timid. You're not growing more timid, but you're growing in power and love and self-discipline. This, this thing that God is doing in you that's, that's just a better future than what you currently are, are living in now. Verse 8, so, so what are you going to do about it? What do we do with what God is, is, is doing? What, is, what are we going to do with, with this truth? If, if God gave us this spirit, if God is doing this in us, if God is growing us in these specific kind of ways, so, verse 8, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul is saying, look, you've got kind of these moments in your story that are difficult, right? You've got these stories that, 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 that in Paul's story, that, that maybe Timothy would rather not have to identify with, of Paul in chains, of, of Paul beaten, of Paul being persecuted, of Paul going through difficult kinds of things, that, that if Timothy's saying, look, I'm following after Paul, and I'm going to go do the kinds of things that, that Paul is doing, it'd be tempting to say, you know, I'm just not sure, not sure I want to go there, right? I'm not sure that I want that to be true of my life, that maybe there's some shame that comes with that. And so Paul is kind of establishing two guardrails. One is the do this, and the other is the, is the one is the don't do this, and the other is the do this. The, the guardrails that say, so don't be ashamed, right? That, that when you see these things happening, when you see this kind of thing start to, to play out in your life, and you start to play out in my life, to don't, like faithful response would be to, to don't be ashamed, but but then do, right, so what's the, that path? Do join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, he has saved us and he's called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. 
that we are saved. Right? Paul, in some ways, is saying, Timothy, like, this whole conversation is built on a foundation that, that you are saved, right? that you are in the family of God, that, that God has, has, has poured his spirit out in your life, that, that you are saved. So foundation, that's there. But then what are you going to do next? Right? What happens next matters. And so he says you're saved and you're called to a holy life, not saved by our efforts, right? Not because we kind of managed to finagle some kind of transaction with God that we negotiated the terms of, of our salvation with him, that this is what we bring to the table, this is what God does, and we're going to kind of figure out how to put those two pieces together. Not saved on our own efforts, not saved because of anything that we have done, right? So, so saved and called, called to God's purpose, not to our purpose, right? That we aren't saved and then called to invite God to, to join us in our mission, but we're saved and then we're invited to be part of what God is doing, that, that we're saved and invited into his purpose. This grace, continuing in verse 9, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Remember, right? This is Paul, and he's, he's talking to Timothy. This would be, in some ways, such a beautiful like, pregame speech if a coach was like, trying to rally the, the team and say, look, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who Christ is. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Who, right? What team are we on? What is Christ capable of doing? We start talking about potential. We start talking about reality. Who has destroyed death? and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Remember, remember who you are, and remember who Jesus is. That it's not something that we just bear, or we kind of survive our way through, but that we get to be part of this, right? That, that we get to be, to be part of this team, that we're on this team, this team that, that's led by the one who destroyed death, who led, who's led by the one who brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's who we are. Are. And of this gospel, right now Paul's saying this is what his story looks like. And of, of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, right? And of this gospel, this specific gospel, this story of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ on mission in this world, making a way for us of this specific gospel. I was appointed a herald, one who, who gets to proclaim the news. Right, in this case, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and an apostle, one who begins to think in ways that, that look more like multiplication than just simply kind of like, this is what is. So Paul can look at Timothy and say, I see in you not just a saved person. Right, Paul says, I, I see that. But he says, I also see in you something that God is doing that's unique. Right? Something that God has invested in you that's, that's, that's for the purpose of, of, of doing more and more and more. That, that Paul is saying, look, I'm, I'm serving as an apostle, which means I get to think like a multiplier. Right? I get to imagine, prayerfully imagine that, that Timothy's life can impact lives beyond his. That, that Timothy can impact people that, that, that their lives actually would go then impact other people's lives. This apostle mentality, this multiplication thinking, saying, I'm going to look and imagine that, that God wants to do more than just this, this one generation, but it's going to be the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. That what could be right, is better than what is. And then he says, and a, and, a, and a teacher, which means that he gets to equip, which means we get to benefit from listening in on this lesson that he's giving Timothy, and we get to learn too as, as Timothy is equipped. And Paul speaks of this calling in verse 11, and then verse 12, he says, and that, 
Right? You would think if you were kind of like writing scripture, if you're thinking this is the way the system should work, if, if I was in charge, this is... So therefore, God has cleared the playing field for me, has made the way so simple, right? so easy. I just have no pushback. That if, if I have a specific and important kind of decision, or important role, then, then life should be pretty smooth. Right? That's the way we would write it. And Paul says, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know, because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul says, just because I'm called to something significant, just because I'm called to some very specific kinds of purposes, it doesn't mean that life is easy. Right? It doesn't mean that, that I've got somebody blocking for me and doing everything to, to get everybody out of my way, but it means that I've got to trust God all the more. That in some ways, Paul says, because of the calling that, that God has placed on me, because of, of this gospel that he, was appointed, that he was appointed to these very specific kind of roles, so that requires me, and we're talking about the exchange, that if God has entrusted in, in Paul and in Timothy and in us, then Paul says, and so because of that calling, because of this, the thing that God has placed in front of me, I have to entrust my life to him, right? That I have to believe that the God who's called me, the God who's equipped me, the God who has raised me up to, for a specific purpose is, is going to guard what I have entrusted him until that day, that, that present circumstances aren't my, aren't my concern, right? That, that my life even isn't my concern, that whether or not I'm imprisoned is not my concern, that whether or not I'm facing insurmountable circumstances, whether or not I'm happy, whether or not I feel like I'm fed, whether or not my needs have been met are not my concern because I've taken all of that and I've placed that in the hands of the God who has called me. And he has poured out into me some specific things too, but this exchange that's happening, right? It's like I'm entrusting God with my life and he's entrusting me with these gifts to, 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 to participate in his mission. It doesn't mean it will be easy. But then Paul says, but yet, yet this is no cause for shame. Right? This is no cause for shame. My suffering is, it, there's a disconnect that Paul has managed to make in his life that says, look, there's, there's some real tension, that if God has called me to something, if God has, has put me in this position, then, and yet my circumstances look like this isn't a whole lot of fun, that for, a lot of, for, for us, we experience that as tension. And Paul says, it's not tension at all because I've placed all of that in God's hands. Yet, there's no shame because of Christ. In verse 13, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul says, Timothy, guard the good deposit, which means that first of all, you have to realize, Timothy, if you haven't figured it out yet, if you haven't picked up on it over the last few sentences that I've written, that, that God has invested something good in you. That you may look in the mirror, you may look at your present circumstances, you may look at just kind of like what life looks like, and you'd be tempted to say that there's nothing significant that's happening in my life, that God hasn't done anything. But Paul says, the God of the universe, the God who created all of this, the God who, who sent Jesus Christ, his son, to, to make a way through death for us, the, the God of the universe, the one who's in control of all of these things, entrusted to you for the purpose of his mission, entrusted to you these specific gifts you have a good deposit. And then second, you are a steward, not just a protector, that God is perfectly capable. I mean, if you want to like just kind of unpack this thing, is God is perfectly capable of functioning as the protector, right? The God of the universe, the one who's in control of everything, can guard the deposit. 
but God's purpose, right? The, 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 the putting it to work, that's what we're called to do, that you're called to steward the gift, not just simply protect the gift. You're called to be a steward. And so we look at this passage, and we look at this as a people who are now wrestling in 2019 here in Soldotna, Alaska, trying to figure out what does this look like for us? That we read this passage and we can get excited about some of the things that God is doing in Timothy's life. And then we can walk out, like we can look at an apple and say there's incredible potential in the apple. There's incredible potential in Timothy, but I don't know about me. And so there's some significant statements that we need to just allow God to to speak into us. And the first one is this, is that that you are not alone. You are not alone. That, That you are connected with God. Right, that the God of the universe cares about you, that the God of the universe is, has invested in you, the God of the universe has made a way for you. For those of you that are in my small group, you're going to get a little preview, because in small group we talk, about some, you know, we talk about two words, and then we talk about um, what stuck out, or what was the Holy Spirit saying to you as, as you were you know, listening to the message, or while you were, for me, while I was preparing for the message, what was it that looked specific for me? And... Um, on Tuesday night, when we meet for small group, I'm going to be talking about probably, if I have a chance, because we are a talkative crew, which is awesome. Um, but the, um, I'll be talking about this specific piece, this, this idea that there's something that emerged in the study of this passage that I had not seen before. That all of the difficult instructions that Paul gave Timothy, right? So like, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. It's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with that? Which is in you through the laying on of my hands that, that God's people, God, that God worked through Paul to, to kind of like place this in Timothy's life, laying on of his hands that, um, so join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, right? That... Um, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. That it's not just, what well, you've heard from me, keep the pattern of sound teaching, but then it continues with the, with, the, with the faith and love in Christ Jesus. And then verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And we would put a period there and say, okay, I've got to figure it out. This is my plan. I'm going to, I'm going to guard the deposit. I'm going to, here's how I'm going to go about doing this, and this is what I'm going to do, and, and here's, the, here's the game plan that we're going to, going to put into play. But it says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That in each of the difficult sayings, in each of the difficult challenges, in each of the things that would be tempting to say, I'm not sure where to even start on doing that. That Paul continues the, the sentence, continues the statement by saying, and this is how God does it in you. All right, this is how you are not alone in this. This is how God is at work, even in the most difficult kind of instructions that I'm giving you. That you're not alone, you're connected with God and we're connected with each other, which gives us perspective. For some of us, we, we desperately need to get out of our own heads. Have you noticed this, that sometimes we're facing something? Maybe I'm the only one that does this, and you can just kind of pray for me in it. That, but that we're faced with a decision or we're faced with some circumstances and we're just trying to figure out what we should do. And the way we start to solve that is by just getting in our head. Right? My wife will say things like, I can tell you're processing something, or I think I just lost you for a little bit because you're just kind of like thinking your way through it. Some of us need to get out of our heads and get into community. 
get into conversation with other people who are going to help us prayerfully work our way through some of those difficult things, that, that we need perspective that can, that can only come with somebody who's looking at our life that says, look, I, I love God and I love you, and I'm just going to have to help you see where you're missing it, help you find a way forward. That It gives us perspective. It gives us prayerful imagination, which means that, that we're seeing maybe something in others that we don't yet see in ourselves, that we can see potential or we can see God at work in someone else's life and And then we can prayerfully imagine that that same God is at work in our lives. Maybe that means that prayerful imagination means we actually allow other people to speak into our lives in such a way like Paul speaking in a Timothy's life, saying, let me show you what I see. So connected with each other means perspective, prayerful imagination. It means help. It means that we're not alone. It means that that there's going to be things that we're facing that that are insurmountable for us by ourselves, but God has put people around us to to help us get through those kinds of things. And we say, well, man, somebody should do something about that. That's part of the value of Christian community. Or maybe maybe you should ask for help. There's also accountability, right? Some of the things that we face are simply mistakes that we're making, that we're repeating certain patterns, or we're making the same decisions over and over and over again, and we need somebody just to, to, to not buy our baloney. Does that make sense? It's just like, this is not okay. you got to stop doing it. That's the value of community, right? A safe environment. It's got to be safe. It's got to be someone who loves God and loves you, that, that cares deeply about the, the, the path that you're walking, that cares deeply about your journey, but says, I'm not going to buy it when you try and sell me that line. I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to hold you to this thing. It's the kind of people who are going to send us text messages or, or reach out to us and say, how are you doing with this thing? Or keep us accountable in those kinds of ways. You are not alone. You have a purpose, God's purpose, not your purpose. You are not inviting God into your mission, but we're stepping into God's mission. That we're invited to play our part in the in this thing that the God of the universe is trying to accomplish in our lives, in this generation, in this community. And we get to be a part of it. And, and our purpose is bigger and better than what we would have written for ourselves. You are not alone. You have a purpose. Your purpose is God's, not yours. And it's bigger and better than you can imagine. And then three, the exchange changes everything. The exchange changes everything. And what I mean by that is the, the, the thread that Paul is talking about, we're saying, where he says, look, God has de- deposited, he's entrusted a good deposit to you. And then Paul says, and look what I've done. I've taken my life, my circumstances, my preferences, all the things that, that, that I feel like I'm in control over, that I'm running around trying to make sure that I've got a, a firm grip on, and I've, I've given that to God. And I've entrusted that to him. And so, so God has, has entrusted something to me, and I have in, in also entrusted my life to him. And so come whatever circumstances come, come suffering and persecution or good times or hard times, whatever. That's in the hands of the one who's worthy of trust, right? I trust that the one I've believed in can handle this thing, and I'm not going to worry about what my present circumstances look like. My life is not my worry, Right? And my job is to guard the good deposit, put it to work. And I think part of the problem, I think part of the problem with, with how we live, I think part of the problem with, with the way we make decisions, with the, the, the reason why we keep going back to the same mistakes over and over and over again, these patterns of decisions, these things that become habits, this, this reality is that we get caught up. We get caught up holding onto the wrong thing. Right? We're holding on to the thing that we're supposed to entrust to God and, and not taking, 
taking hold of what God has entrusted to us, that we're holding on to for dear life, living in fear that, that something might disrupt this thing that we're holding on to. And Paul is saying, Timothy, when Paul is saying, Birch Ridge Community Church, Nate Lamb, let go of that. Take hold of what I am investing and entrusting in you. That we're holding on for dear life, we're living in fear, holding on, desperately trying to hold on to something we were never meant to hold on to. The exchange changes everything. So how do we do it? What does this look like? Paul gives four simple instructions that they're simple, but they're not easy. Back to the apple. This apple, just imagine this for a second. Right, here we are, I'm holding this apple, and um, we talked about potential, right? We talked about what this, what this could look like. Can you imagine? I mean, just, just kind of picture this with me. Can you imagine this apple's potential fully realized? It's exciting. This apple, with the, the handful of seeds that are in this apple, if we planted trees and those trees bore fruit, and then we took those apples and we, we, we planted those seeds, and all of a sudden the, this thing starts to turn into a movement. That if, if this apple, the potential in this apple was fully realized, that kind of like generationally, what, what it would look like for all of the apples that would spring from the seeds in this apple to, to spring seeds that would, would make more trees and more orchards and more orchards, that we would actually, this morning, instead of talking about global warming, we'd be talking about we'd be talking about a global apple pandemic. Can you imagine this? Right? We'd be saying, there are so many apple trees that we well, can't grow any other crops, that there are so many apple trees because these apples are just living up to their potential, that they're just taking off, that the, the, the apple trees are just taking over the world. Like, what are we going to do with all of these apples? It's, it's unbelievable. Right? This, this incredible potential, if, if, if it would live up to its potential. And so for us, we imagine, what would it look like because part of the story is that this apple all by itself isn't going to live up to its potential. We, you'd have to have somebody that, that knows what they're doing, right? that would know what they're doing to grow those kinds of trees. That The good news, the good news for us is that we're not, we're not called to sort that out all by ourselves. Right? We're not called to just somehow pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and meet our potential all by ourselves. But there is this master, right? this master gardener, or this master keeper of an orchard that helps the apple realizes potential that helps us realize our potential. The master, and the, the, the point of this connected series is that the master works through community. And so these four things that we're called to first, to, to fan into flame, means we move from potential to reality. And that happens often. It happens when, when we're in conversation with other people that are helping us see that it's not just potential, that actually it's not just what could be, but, but how do we get to what could be, to fan into flame, to, to, to practice the kinds of habits and, and things in our lives that, that help us move from, from an ember to a flame, from potential to reality. Do not be ashamed right, for us to, to get in community, to sit around a circle in each other's living rooms and, and have conversations or sit over coffee and talk about the, the journey that God has brought us on or what God is teaching us, to say what would have maybe felt like shame can be transformed into something very different with a very simple statement. I thought it was just me. Right? I thought I was the only one that wrestled with that. I thought I was the only one that, that had to deal with that particular issue. And, and all of a sudden it moves from, from shame to, to something better. 
right, to, to something that looks more like freedom for us to figure out what this looks like, to, to realize that in community that it doesn't mean that we stay in that, but it gives us context for it. To be part of a community that celebrates the right things. And this is what Paul is describing. He says, don't be ashamed of, of my suffering. Don't be ashamed of my imprisonment. Don't be ashamed of, of all the, the, the persecution and whatever else I'm facing. That, that we don't worry, we don't celebrate circumstances. We celebrate God working in our lives. We celebrate God working through our lives. That we don't celebrate that, that, that things are just always going well, that life is simple and secure. Do not be ashamed. Keep the pattern of sound teaching. Right? For some of us, we have lost sight of what brought us to this in the first place. That we start to imagine, well, how do I have a spiritual conversation with somebody? And we start to imagine that it'd be almost combative, or, or, or like, how are we going to argue someone into to having faith with Jesus? If we could just break down all the things that they've kind of like built up for themselves, and we're going to kind of like present the case in such a compelling way that they'll have no, no choice. But the reality is that's probably not how we experience this. So for us, we need to, to keep, in keeping the pattern of sound teaching, talking about the pattern of teaching would be that that we learn from how we heard, right? And then we stay faithful to what we've learned, that we keep the pattern of sound teaching, that, that we don't water it down, that we, we don't kind of like try and make it fit with somebody that, that feels like it might be something they could grab onto. That we give someone the, the fullness of truth, but we do it in a way that, that they can hear. So keep the pattern of sound teaching and then guard the good deposit. You, all of us, if we are in Christ Jesus, God has deposited something in us. This is why we do like a spiritual gifts inventory. This is why we do some things where we talk about if you are wired in this kind of way, if God has, has, has deposited something in you, we want to help you figure out how to live that out. That we have a good deposit. And then the way that we guard that deposit is by putting it to work, right? Not by just kind of protecting it, by, by actually helping, by, by putting it to work, guard it from just being potential, not just keeping it safe, but putting it to work, saying, if God has entrusted in me something, then what, do I, what am I going to do with it? How do, I, how do I allow this thing to reach its full potential in my life? How do I take this to scale in my life? And that's when we get in community and other people can help us and can speak into this and, and hold us accountable and help us figure out what this can look like. We are connected. There's a reason why small groups matter. There's a reason why conversations over coffee matter. There's a reason why gathering together matters. Because if, if this was, I mean, this is what we're called to, and if we were going to get there by ourselves, we would have gotten there already. We need each other, right? We need to be part of a healthy community that helps us move forward. I'm going to pray, and the band is going to come and, and kind of start the, the response time for uh, this morning. But God, thank you. God, thank you for giving us a, a, new, a new look at reality. God, for recalibrating what, what we think and, and helping us see what potential actually looks like. God, thank you that what was spoken 2,000 years ago to, to speak of potential and to speak of putting to work resonates and echoes in our lives today. God, I pray for those of us who look in, a, in the mirror and we don't see any kind of potential. We don't have any kind of hope that what could be is better than what is. God, I pray you would give us words. God, I pray that you would help us see more clearly. And I pray that you would step into our lives and help us do all the things that you've called us to do. So we come as a grateful people. Come as a people ready to listen. God, give us courage, give us wisdom. 
And God, make our next steps clear. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.